Off to transition to confession out of a little applause. Uh, but I wanted to remind you as we continue in worship that the thing that united us when we came in was that each of us has fallen short of the glory of God. It's why as we continue to worship, if uh, talk of unity and diversity and joining God's worst, uh, work, it feels overwhelming. It's because that's been our story. But friends, I don't think that's the story we have to leave with. And so I invite you to hear the good news from 1 Peter. It says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this morning to remember how big you are. And we pray in this moment, in a concrete way, you might reveal how your grace truly does wash away who we once were. So that we might look at our ministry partners and we might think about who you are. And we might see where you're at work with Agape and CAC and Friends of Refugees, Haiti, Outreach Ministries and Saving Hearts, Sandy Springs Mission. And we might not simply wallow in guilt or wonder what we might do, but our imagination might be spurred by your love. We might remember how we've already joined with these people. We might see how you're at work and we might feel invited with hope and faith and love to be a part of what you are doing there. Not because we should or we're obligated because, but because it's where we come alive as your people. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. At this time, I want to invite all the elementary and below kids to head downstairs to their classroom. As they go, I'll remind y'all we're in our fourth week uh, looking at these different disordered postures of God and how sometimes we relate to God in a way that shortchanges what faith has to offer. Uh, God wants to be with us and we choose a different way and today it is a life over God. Um, the bigness of God it sometimes feels too great, and so we will make God over into our own image. You could say it's almost, uh, I think we have a little image of it, maybe. We stole it from a book. Uh, but in essence, God becomes about helping us get our own desires or our own vision for life, almost a self-help thing. Um, but we believe there's something bigger in store. Uh, and so let's... As we uh, approach God's word today, uh, will you pray with me? Jesus, in the ways we have thought we might just get a couple of uh, tips 
to be a better parent or middle schooler, that your word might simply uh, provide us an avenue for work to have more meaning. May we know that those are not wrong desires, but they are, they are smaller than what you want for us. And so today, in a profound way, we pray you speak a new word, a word of grace and invitation that invites us into a bigger story. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Acts chapter 2, and it begins with verse 1. Listen for God's word for each of us this morning. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So both my boys started Cub Scouts this year. And I'll be honest, I was a little nervous for them. Uh, Scouts is going to be this totally new environment. The, the pack, they're a part of it, doesn't have that many kids from their school. And I felt it was just going to be out of their comfort zone. I was wrong. Uh, those boys are all in with this thing. I mean, I, I at least figured they would be a little shy about wearing their uniform. But Bo, my youngest, he's this thing called a Lion Scout. And the only thing that is required for a Lion Scout for their uniform is a t-shirt. Is a t-shirt. That's it. But that's not good enough for Bo. He wants to wear every piece of scout flair he can find. He's got like, like the hat, the scarf, the socks, the shorts, the whole nine yards. Look, I got a picture of him. Look at him. <laughs> he only needs the t-shirt. That's it. And I was nervous he would be like, you know, I don't want to wear the t-shirt. I want to pick my own. No, that's not. He's all, he's all about it. All about it. And I guess this was so unexpected because my last memory of scouting was so different than that. I was a Boy Scout all the way through high school, but by the time I was finishing up, I was doing everything I could to avoid wearing the Scout uniform. My, my friends and I wouldn't even say we were a part of Scouts. We called it the Secret Society. That's what, we, that's what it was. It's quite the dichotomy, though. Bo, so excited to be a part of something bigger than him, willing to give up any personal preference and be a scout. I mean, he'd wear that thing to school if he could. And then on the other side, we've got teenage me, who's just trying to maintain that affiliation long enough to get Eagle Scout on the resume. The very thing 
that has both fired up with something I was just trying to survive. Same organization, two very different relationships. And of course, these two postures are not unfamiliar in the journey of faith, are they? Just like with scouts, the gospel message does not change. It's always a truth that is bigger than our life, expands our worldview, it's greater than our abilities. And when we first encounter that good news, those things, they actually sound like good news. When we first discover that our old life, that it is forgiven, it's wiped clean, and that our new life, it's got vision. And despite not being worthy of being a part of that vision, that we've been invited to join the story of God, when we hear that, I don't care who you are, if you believe it, you're ready to put on the full uniform. You know, it's a drop your nets and come follow me situation. You're a fisher of fish, but I'm moving you up to upper management. I'm going to make you fisher of people. We hear that, it's like, sign me up. This sounds good. Sounds good. But at some point, it comes time to actually go fish for people. At some point, the living God demands we stop just saying, this is who we are. And the Spirit asks us to go live that way with other people. Thank you. I agree. Applaud that. <laughs> and when that happens, the good news starts to feel a bit less good. We forget what, what gave us hope and joy was seeing how we could live beyond ourselves. The, the very news that once brought us joy it starts to only feel worth it if it includes something more. Something that's for me, not beyond me. And friends, it is in the moments like this that we take the posture of a life over God. We, we make faith over in our own image. We don't come to worship looking to get swept up into a bigger story. We come to worship saying, will this be worth it? This is the temptation that every one of us faces when the good news stops making sense and it actually requires faith. When that happens, we hear that sly serpent's question from the Garden of Eden ask, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Was it really what gave you life, something bigger than you? or something for you. Yet in our text, we see how incompatible a life over God is if we truly desire to be the church. In our scripture, Luke describes how the Spirit comes and actually rests on each person. And how then, each of those individuals begins to speak in other tongues. Not all at once, but as the Spirit enables them. And so to be clear, this is not the Spirit showing up and giving the disciples the ability to speak in some special universal language that anyone could understand. It's that individually, 
they are each able to speak a new and different language. It's like, I got Spanish, and, and someone else Chinese, and another person Swahili. That's what's happening. And I know I, I'm just restating what we just read, but I feel the need to spell it out, because if this morning, if, if this morning tongues of fire came and rested on each of us, my honest-to-goodness assumption would be the primary result of that encounter would mean we would all leave here like best friends and more skilled parents and ready to like go crush our job and, and own middle school. That the work of the Spirit would make my life better, not necessarily bigger. Think about that. If you said, this worship service, it was unbelievable, God was speaking, before we got here, would it not be that my life that I am currently living is now just more like streamlined, that I, that I got it more figured out? Not necessarily bigger. Yet friends, in our, our scripture, the gift of the Spirit, it gives fo followers of Jesus the ability to connect with people who are not like them. At the most basic level, it invites people to live a life that is bigger than themselves. And it is given in such a way that it can only be received, it can only be lived if each individual person actually believes that they're a part of this bigger story and that they play a role. If I got Spanish, I just can't tag along with the person who's got Swahili and kind of sit in the background, pretend like it's going great, or just point to the person who has French and say, see, look what God's doing. Because I got Spanish. I got to go speak that language, and guess what? I'm not Hispanic. I got to go join a story that is bigger than mine. So why are we doing this unique worship service and all these different languages? And why are we highlighting our mission partners? Because we're trying to remember that the call of Jesus Christ and that the place that we come alive is when we are a part of God's bigger story. That the gift of the Spirit is to receive the ability to see our neighbor not as different than us, not as more needy or useful or broken. It's to see our neighbor as worthy of love. The theologian James Cone says that the world is where humans are dehumanized. That out there, the story that is told is that you are not worthy of love. That you're dehumanized. It's where selfishness feels like good boundaries. And vulnerability like weakness and defensiveness like righteousness. But friends, here we have been given a new language. 
It is the church that will remind the world of its native tongue. That they are children of God. So is this just our task? Our dutiful response to good news or a blessed life? Do we leave here thinking that we've got some kind of secret information that others don't know about? No. This is who we are because of Christ Jesus. We are aware that we are a child of God. And so when we go out and live, we speak that new language to others. This is the freedom of new life. It is an act of faith that remembers Jesus showed us the way of life. That it is not to receive good news, but to live it through humility and grace and service. Because we believe God's story is not only better than our story, but bigger. We believe this is not only what the church is about, but what the good news has equipped us to participate in. And I truly believe that if we go out there and we try to join God's word, world, join his story, that the things that we once latched onto to build up our own story, our money, and our job, and our social connections, and all of these things like that, these things that we were desperate to, to build up our own narrative, we might find that those are the very language which God is offering to speak words of grace and hope to the world. But you got to be ready for it to be bigger than you. For that's what God's work is about. For we have been given the gift to join God's work, to live the language of redemption. And I pray we might hear that as words of hope and call. For it is where God will be and how God will work, not only in the world, but in our very lives. May we come alive in this good news. Amen. Will you pray with me? Jesus, your gospel does not change, but somehow as we begin to put down roots, we fear being swept up in it. All of a sudden, how your story is bigger does not fill us with hope, but with insecurity how we are called to be a neighbor to someone else does not feel like life feels overwhelming. God, reorient us with your grace this morning. May we go out not seeing a life of faith as work, but one where we are who we were created to be. And in doing so, we see our neighbor our enemy, the other, as God sees them, child of God, worthy of love. May our life orient around this good news. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.